What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, a joint podcast from The China Project and Caixin Global. We bring you the most critical business and finance news from China. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast, part of The China Project. On this week's episode, Meituan launched its Hong Kong food delivery service, Wanda's sinking bonds renewed concerns about repayment and its unit's IPO, and China became the latest country to approve Microsoft's acquisition of video game maker Activision Blizzard. But let's start with some cryptocurrency news out of Hong Kong. The financial hub's securities regulator said it will allow retail investors to trade cryptocurrencies under new rules starting in June, stepping up a drive to develop a digital asset hub even as the industry and regulators clash elsewhere in Asia. According to the Hong Kong Securities and Futures Commission, safeguards will also be implemented, including knowledge tests, appropriate risk profiling, and reasonable limits on exposure. The move is part of Hong Kong's efforts to woo crypto firms to the city and restore its status as a cutting-edge financial center. But any embrace of digital assets is controversial after a market rout in 2022 that sparked a wave of bankruptcies, including the collapse of FTX. Regulators globally are grappling with how to handle the crypto industry. Jurisdictions like Hong Kong and Dubai are trying to attract crypto-related investment, while South Korea and the U.S. are beefing up scrutiny and legislation. Staying now in the Hong Kong market, Meituan on Monday launched its food delivery app in the financial hub dominated by foreign rivals Deliveroo and Food Panda as it faces heightened competition on the Chinese mainland from new entrants, including TikTok sibling Douyin. According to its statement, Meituan expects its new service, called Kita, to complete full coverage of the city by the end of this year. A number of international brands and local beverage chains, such as McDonald's and Pacific Coffee, are available on Kita. The statement also said the platform will compensate customers for late orders, a perk not offered by its peers. Meanwhile, social media giant ByteDance's co-founder Zhang Yiming is also eyeing the Asian financial hub as he set up an investment company in the city. According to a filing from the Hong Kong company registry Cool River Venture, incorporated last week, 
lists Zhang as its sole director. Zhang's new venture in Hong Kong coincides with the city's drive to lure rich people back following years of isolation and a population decline during COVID. The venture points to a new chapter for the entrepreneur after quitting his leadership roles at ByteDance in 2021. Zhang is among a string of top tech executives who have left their corporate roles amid China's common prosperity drive to reduce inequality. In the meantime, ByteDance's international short video app TikTok has been facing regulatory headwinds in the U.S. over national security concerns. Moving on to China's property sector, the slump in onshore and offshore bonds issued by subsidiaries of troubled property-to-entertainment conglomerate Dalian Wanda Group deepened earlier this week amid investors' concerns about its financial health and the looming Hong Kong share sale by one of its units. Sources told Caixin that the company's founder, Wang Jianlin, acknowledged that its broad property management business was experiencing a cash squeeze. There are also heightened concerns that Zhuhai Wanda Commercial Management Group, a subsidiary of Wanda Group, will not be allowed to sell shares in Hong Kong. Its third IPO application expired last month. We'll wrap up this week's business brief with Microsoft's $69 billion deal to acquire Call of Duty maker Activision Blizzard as China becomes the latest country to greenlight the acquisition. A Microsoft spokesperson told Caixin, China's State Administration for Market Regulation unconditionally approved its acquisition of the video game company. Microsoft said the action brings the total number of countries that have cleared the transaction to 37, with more than 2 billion people. Earlier this month, EU regulators also approved the deal, conditional on full compliance with commitments offered by Microsoft. But the acquisition still faces obstacles in the U.S. and the U.K. The American Federal Trade Commission sued last year to block the deal, alleging it would enable Microsoft to suppress competitors to its gaming businesses. Meanwhile, the U.K.'s Competition and Markets Authority also decided to block the deal last month over concerns with cloud gaming. Microsoft agreed early last year to acquire Activision Blizzard in an all-cash deal. If approved by international regulators, it would be the largest video game acquisition in history. Let's turn now to Jonathan Breen, an editor at Caixin Global, for a closer look at one of the week's big stories, and we are staying with the Hong Kong theme that has dominated this episode. Hello, Jonathan. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, Kaiser. It's a pleasure, as always. So let's talk about this interesting piece you worked on recently about Hong Kong and its efforts to regain its local business hub status following COVID-19. It seems like the city's shine increasingly wore off during the pandemic. What is it now doing to remedy this? Well, it's taking a targeted approach. Firstly, the government is trying to attract lots of professional talent to fill a void created by the thousands of expats and residents that left as COVID restrictions were, were becoming increasingly stronger, increasingly tougher during the pandemic. Secondly, they're pitching Hong Kong hard as uh, like an accommodating destination for businesses. For example, they are appealing to the tech sector as a potential sandbox with comparatively light 
regulatory touch. So how big is this void? Well, within two years of Hong Kong introducing COVID controls in 2020, the city lost about 140,000 people from its workforce, over two-thirds of which were highly skilled professionals. That's what, uh, that's what the chief executive, John Lee, said in October anyway. And while people were leaving, of course, the inflow of talent slowed to a trickle during the pandemic. That is quite the brain drain. What are the powers doing about it? The government has released various policies to try and stem the outflow and attract new talent. Among them is a special visa program for young graduates in well-paid careers. It's, uh, it's called Top Talent Pass Scheme, which allows people to work and live in Hong Kong for two years without having to find a job in advance. That scheme has been quite successful already. From its launch in January until the end of April, the government had received more than 27,000 applications, and of those it had approved 17,000. That's according to government data. And what do you have to do to qualify for one of those top talent passes? You have to meet one of the main requirements to qualify for the scheme. One is having a degree from a university ranked in the top 100 globally and at least three years of work experience. Another is having a high-paying job. Data from March showed that more than half of the scheme's applicants had graduated from a top 100 university and had at least three years of work experience, while about 22% have an annual salary above two and a half million Hong Kong dollars, which is roughly 320,000 US dollars. But there is uncertainty about how many visa holders will become members of Hong Kong's workforce, because they can get approved without having to actually relocate to the city first. Okay, strong start. Uh, but there is a question mark over whether they can keep the momentum going. Um, now, tell us more about what Hong Kong is doing to market itself to businesses, especially to technology firms. And are there any signs so far that it's been successful? Well, it's doing quite a lot. In April alone, Hong Kong hosted more than a dozen exhibitions on uh, te technology, fashion, and a variety of trading sectors. And they attracted tens of thousands of people. One of the more notable events was the Web3 Festival. More than 10,000 people attended, making it the largest Web3 event in Asia. Without getting too technical, Web3 is the idea of a decentralized internet based on blockchain technology. And that, along with the metaverse, has become a buzzword synonymous with the next generation of the internet. And Hong Kong is eager to be a front runner in that space. A co-founder of a blockchain platform told us that compared to Singapore, which is the other main tech and internet business hub in Asia, the Hong Kong government has clearly expressed support for Web3. And it, it didn't even change its stance after the dramatic collapse of that cryptocurrency trading platform FTX in November. Okay, well, let's talk about money. Is the government backing up its support with capital? Of course. How could I forget the money? 
Hong Kong's Financial Services and Treasury Secretary, Christopher Huey, said at an event in April that the city's government has earmarked 50 million Hong Kong dollars in its 2023-24 budget for organizing major international conferences and events to promote greater collaboration in Web3. This is part of the government's efforts to become a regional hub for cryptocurrency. To this end, Hong Kong has also launched a series of regulatory schemes, including a licensing requirement for operating a virtual asset exchange and incorporating stablecoin, which is a type of cryptocurrency, into its regulatory framework. These rules could help address security concerns that have been the primary and long-term pain point for practitioners. They do seem to be doing quite a bit to attract digital businesses, uh, but there is something else that occurs to me. What about the government on the Chinese mainland? They are known to be rather hostile to cryptocurrency. Could this be a problem for Hong Kong? That's a good question. It is a concern that has some in the industry questioning whether Hong Kong can achieve its goal of being a digital asset hub, and that remains to be seen. Conversely, the proximity to the mainland could also be an advantage, given that that's where much of Asia's Web3 and blockchain talent is based. Fascinating stuff. It'll be really interesting to see how Hong Kong's fate unfolds following the pandemic. Thank you, Jonathan, for enlightening us. You're welcome, Kaiser. But next time, you'll have to pay. <laughs> Never. Uh, if our listeners are interested in more detail of the story, please head over to CaixinGlobal.com. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief was produced this week by Kaiser Guo and by Zhang Ziyu, Kelsey Chung, Lin Jinbing, Bertrand Tio, and Zizan Wang at Caixin Global. Special thanks to Li Xin of Caixin Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. Check out some of the other great podcasts on the Seneca Network, like the amazing China in Africa and China Global South podcasts. And for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to Access from the China Project. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care.